This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. With pandemic restrictions playing havoc with life-saving transplant surgery, we'll bring you the story of an extraordinary volunteer bone marrow courier flying non-stop to save the lives of patients around the world. And... A BC-based scientist and Idea City alum is well along the process to find a treatment for COVID-19. We'll check in on his progress. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. More than 600 nurses around the world have died from COVID-19 and approximately 230,000 healthcare workers have contracted the virus, according to the International Council of Nurses. It represents 130 national nursing associations and more than 20 million nurses. The hope is these figures will convince governments to collect accurate data on infections among healthcare workers in order to protect them. A Canadian clinical trial has concluded that a drug touted by President Donald Trump is not effective in preventing COVID-19. It's the first double-blind placebo-controlled trial to assess the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine in preventing the disease. Researchers found there was no statistical difference between patients who got ill, whether they took the placebo or hydroxychloroquine. Cannabis residue has been found on artifacts from an ancient temple in southern Israel, which archaeologists say is the first evidence of the use of hallucinogenics in the Jewish religion. In a research paper, the authors say the discovery from an 8th century B.C. shrine offers the first proof of the use of mind-altering substances as part of cultic rituals in Judah, including the first Jewish temple that stood in Jerusalem at the same time. Here's a reason why you should become familiar with technology. A Mexican lawmaker accidentally showed up topless during an online Zoom meeting. The 66-year-old said she had no idea she was still on camera when she stripped off to get changed, only realizing when her colleagues alerted her. She later insisted she's not ashamed of having shown her body and apologized to everyone watching. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. While most of us have been sheltering at home, Israeli Michelle Zrian has been traveling on airplanes nonstop for more than 80 days, delivering life-saving bone marrow to patients around the world. In order to avoid quarantines for travelers, he sleeps on planes or airport hotel rooms. I caught up with the volunteer courier after he made a delivery in the Netherlands. I arrived yesterday from uh, Israel to Netherlands with the bone marrow for a patient here in the hospital in uh, the Netherlands. 
And uh, I'm waiting here in the Netherlands to another bone marrow when he's ready in Israel, and I fly uh, back to Israel on Sunday to collect bone marrow to uh, Chicago. And after this, I go back to Israel and fly to South America, to Chile, with another bone marrow. The reason that you don't stop anywhere other than an airport is, is because of quarantine, because of the virus, right? Yes, of course. If I uh, go inside to Israel, I need to quarantine 40 days, two weeks. And uh, this is the reason I don't stop this. And this, uh, the Israeli government allowed me to do this for the same uh, life. So tell me, what is the organization you're representing and, and what has happened to their ability to function during the pandemic? Is the Ezra Mitzion, uh, sent uh, a lot of uh, bone marrow uh, around the world. And because the corona... It's very, very difficult to move the bone marrow outside from Israel because no flight. And uh, sometimes I find myself in the cargo jet with the bone marrow because uh, no flight and a lot of patients around the world. And, uh, you know, the people with cancer, you need to save life. You travel with the bone marrow beside you. What are the difficulties of that? You know, I need to, with the, the cool pack, I have the temperature and the, and the bone marrow have the limiting time. And this is the reason is uh, expire after the 72 hours. And uh, this is the problem. I need to, you know, to don't, I, and I need to, to hurry up with this because if I stop, someone, you know, can die. Very danger. You know, it's very, you know, it's very important to me all the time I see life of the person on my hand. You understand? You volunteered for this job. Uh, yes. When? Of course. I volunteered because nobody wants to fly. And, you know, when the corona starts, every uh, person stayed home. And my uh, boss told me to stay home, too. And I say, why I stay at home? I want to do something to community. And uh, some companies... Uh, Royal asked me, can you help us with the bone marrow? It takes only one week and a half. You take the bone marrow from Israel to Turkey, and in Turkey you meet the, the American courier, and that's it. And now I find myself 80 days <laughs> in, uh, in save life of uh, people, and until now with uh, uh, 23 uh, patients, I bring the bone marrow. Wow. Uh, what what were you doing before? What kind of work were you doing? I'm uh, working at uh, the Tel Aviv airport and uh, custom uh, office, only three uh, day a week. And uh, that's the reason I work only three day a week, because I want to volunteer and I want time to volunteer. And all the time, uh, all the company called me, can you help us to bring the bone marrow to this country, this kind of stuff? Of course. And I don't get uh, for this nothing. I'm, I'm uh, completely volunteer because it makes me happy when I, I know I'm uh, save life of people. And is this is my, uh, you know, this is my my uh, first priority. So you worked with this group before? I make this twenty years, but no like this, you know, and one in the months, uh, you know, and once in the, you know, three weeks. Not all the time. 
I know the job because I'm volunteer for this 20 years, but this time is very, very, you know, it's a lot of patience, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of problem because for me, myself, I have a lot of problem because sometimes I'm without uh, food because everywhere is, uh, you know, the, the place closed, the restaurant closed, and I four times without food 24 hours. What did you do? Yes, the, you know, if, when I begin in this, you know, all the world is closed. And when I come to the airport, I see all the shop, everything is closed. And, I, you know, um, I, I don't understand what's happened. I say, okay, Corona, but someone need to, to eat something. And, uh, you know, in the airlines, uh, in the aircraft, when I fly, when he, he give me the snack or something, I take this with me because I never know what's happening with me <laughs> next. And I keep a lot of snack with me. Because a lot of people ask me, why you don't take food with you? Because I have only the small bag with me. It's like sport bag. And all my life in this bag. And even I, uh, I wash uh, my coat in a hotel with a shampoo when I stay two uh, nights, for example. All my life in this small bag is the food. Is, you know, it's everything. Because I'm not allowed to send uh, luggage because I need to move quickly everywhere. What about your family in Israel? Oh, the family is very difficult for me. And uh, when everyone uh, asks me about the family, I start to cry. And uh, this time, uh, <laughs> I try to not. But, uh, you know, my, my family support me. Uh, my kids uh, know where I make the right uh, things and the good things and save life. And uh, waiting for me to, after all uh, this crazy time. How and old my are My wife you? is a wonderful uh, wife, is uh, all the time support me. We are uh, chat with uh, WhatsApp all the time. And I try to continue, you know, it's difficult. You said that at the beginning of this, uh, it was supposed to just be two trips or one trip, and, and it's gone on for more than 80 days. How long do you intend to keep going? Uh, until uh, the Israeli government uh, uh, stopped the quarantine. Until then, I'm uh, like this. My life is on airport and uh, aircraft and uh, some place in the weekend in the hotel around the, the world. It's uh, an amazing thing that you're doing. Michelle Zriana, really a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Have a nice day and God bless you all. That was volunteer bone marrow courier Michelle Zrian speaking to me from a hotel room in Leiden, the Netherlands. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Will there be a treatment for COVID-19 before a vaccine to prevent it? That's a big question for the medical community as scientists pursue both avenues. Dr. Joseph Penninger, head of the University of British Columbia's Life Sciences Institute and an Idea City alum, is developing a medicine to treat the disease with a drug first made here in Canada. I reached him in Europe, where clinical trials are underway. Before we get into your drug trial, there's a general conversation going on during this pandemic about whether we will deal with it better with a vaccine or a treatment? What, what's your view? This disease is, has various stages, so we need actually both. It's absolutely critical to develop a vaccine to hopefully prevent it in as many people as possible, but this still will take a little time. 
And it's also absolutely critical with medicine if people get sick uh, to actually have something to prevent from them from dying. So we are developing uh, a drug which helps people to get better. Uh, it's based on my research I did many years ago. And we actually got my approval in Europe to go to a phase two clinical study. So this drug is now being tested in three European countries in patients who have severe disease. And the outcome we hope, of course, we cannot predict it, but the outcome we hope is that they don't go into uh, severe stages of the disease so that we actually keep them out of the ICU. And of course, by doing so, we prevent them from dying. What is the drug called and what did you originally develop it for? So many years ago, we actually discovered uh, a protein which is called ACE2 angiotensin-converting enzyme. And my group at this time at the University of Toronto was really the first one and we co-discovered it and we actually showed that this protein protects our lungs, our heart, our kidneys from severe disease. But then we also discovered this link to the SARS infection, which was around 15 years ago. Uh, turns out the SARS virus uses this protein we had co-discovered called ACE2 to enter our body. It's basically the gateway to invade us. And we showed for the first time no ACE2, there's no infection. So this was really the critical experiment to show that ACE2 is the receptor, the gateway for the virus. And then we put it all together because ACE2 protects from lung injury. And actually what happens in the, in the first SARS infection, and also now for the new virus, which uses exactly the same gateway, the virus comes to our throat, uh, then into our lungs, and actually binds to this protein called ACE2. And this is the door to open into our body. And together, the virus takes the door with it, and the door is lost. And this door actually protects us. And this is the reason why this virus causes so severe disease. Disease we called previously SARS, and of course, the disease which causes now the pandemic called COVID-19. So ACE2 being basically at the heart of the whole disease. So we knew all of this 15 years ago and we initiated drug development because we believed if the virus makes us sick because of ACE2, what we do, we just give more ACE2 back and protect our bodies. Um, and this is the principle how this works. So it actually has two functions. First, it binds the virus. It catches the virus away from the real door. So it protects from the infection. And secondly, protects our tissues. So all in all, it's probably one of the most rational therapy for COVID-19. And we already tested this in 89 healthy human volunteers, uh, 89 people with uh, lung disease. And last week, as I said, this actually went into clinical studies in patients with severe COVID-19. This drug presumably is a drug for any stage or for early stage. How do you envision it being used? So at the moment in our clinical study, we will treat people at the severe stage of disease. Of course, it could also work in earlier stages, but we had to focus on one, one group of patients, and this is what we're doing. I think for COVID-19, what's really important is to have a drug which works for people who have severe disease. Because, of course, the big fear of everybody is to get the disease, and there's nothing which protects us if we have it, and, you know, there's nothing which keeps us alive. And I think this is probably the, the big price for the first medicines to develop. Explain to me what exactly what stage the trials are at and where it's being trialed. 
So the trial is happening in Denmark and Germany and Austria. We're actually now reaching out also to, to Sweden and many other countries, including the UK. Uh, we have been approval by the European uh, Medical Association, which is very important. So actually to run trials, it's not just we have a new medicine, which we believe it works. There's a lot of issues behind, you know, the drug must be safe. It can, must be produced. Uh, we must know how long it acts in the body. So all of this has been done. And so we are running the trial in 200 patients. It's placebo control. So 100 get the drug, 100 get standard of care. And uh, we give them the drug once uh, for one week, twice a day. And every patient will be followed up for another three weeks. So we have long-term effects. And, and, and of course, the endpoint is a clinical endpoint to the patient's improve. What is the process, assuming the trial goes well, what is the process for approval? We are in close contact with the European authorities. Uh, and since we set up the trial very carefully and in a controlled manner, so if the trial turns out positive, uh, I think they might allow us for speed approval. One of the things I worry about is that if there is a vaccine or treatment, that Canada will be way down the list of, of countries that get supply once it starts to be manufactured. That's an interesting question, a very political question. So even if we have a vaccine, and I think people should be aware of this, let's say, you know, everything works amazingly fast. And, you know, I believe it will take a little longer, but I'm happily wrong in this. Let's say by Christmas we have a vaccine. Some Chinese or, or Swedish group uh, develop something. So then, of course, this needs to be produced. Uh, needs to be produced in, in, in amounts where we can vaccinate literally hundreds of millions of people on the planet. Uh, so this will take some while because I was actually in contact with some companies which are in vaccine development. The entire world doesn't have the capacity to make all these vaccines for everybody. So I think this will take a while until actually the vaccines might end up in Canada or might end up, of course, where I'm sitting now in Vienna. Uh, I think that's also the reason why governments have decided let's uh, support local Canadian vaccine development because it does make a lot of sense because then, of course, one gets faster access to it. Uh, I think the Canadian groups, actually Canadian researchers, is is batting above global average. So, you know, I know the researchers in Canada and also the companies which, which are involved in this. So, so I'm actually confident that Canada is one of the world players. That was Dr. Joseph Penninger, head of UBC's Life Sciences Institute and an Idea City alum. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today, and be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Weekend Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.